Welcome, everyone, to your ongoing journey or leap into a new world of opportunity. Inside Japan Podcast is a stepping stone for your next adventure. It is a show filled with informative interviews, perspectives on local life, and how you can master your path into the unknown. For today, kick back and listen to the wisdom of our host, James. James here, coming at you with episode number 62 of the Inside Japan Podcast, brought to you by jobsinjapan.com. I hope you're all doing well out there. And speaking of jobsinjapan.com, have you seen the new layout, my friends? If you have not checked out the new layout on that website, you are doing something extremely wrong. Jobsinjapan.com, go check it out. Lots of new jobs, lots of hotness, lots of things made for you to get your first job or maybe even your next job in Japan. So go check it out now, jobsinjapan.com for sure. This week, I have a Jetolio. Someone, Jetolio also means, it's, it's also known as Jet, but that person on the Jet program is actually a CIR Jet, which is always nice to talk to because those are much more, are much rarer than the Jet ALTs out there. But I brought him in here today to talk about something that was not about Jet, even though we do talk a lot about Jet. Don't worry, we talk all about that. His position, how he got the job, his SOP advice. I think we don't get SOP advice, we get the interview advice, but. We talk about jet stuff for sure, for all you jet hopefuls out there, or jets coming to Japan next month in in August of 2019. But the reason I had him on here specifically, Mitchell is his name, um, he was in a picture that was used in the japantoday.com, japantoday.com. It was entitled, Hokkaido Ski Resort Tackles Growing Tension Between Japanese and Foreign Residents. And that was a pretty interesting article, I thought, so I was like, hey. I'm always looking for good people to interview, and he sounded like a good person to interview because I would ask him what he thought of this. Is there really growing tensions here? Is this really a problem? Is this a, a bomb waiting to go off between the foreigners and the people, the, the foreigners in those ski resorts and Japanese uh, nationals in the ski resorts? I want them to spoil it now, but it's, his answer is pretty interesting, and uh, Japan Times might have some questions to answer themselves. Honestly, if I'm thinking, speaking honestly. Uh, before we get to the interview, I got to let you know, though, the first few minutes of the interview got cut off somehow, recording equipment, blah, blah, blah. No excuses, I know. But you, you do miss the intro and my first question, which is basically, hey, you're a CIR in Japan. Cool. Your name's Mitchell. Cool. What's it like living in Hokkaido? That's basically what I ask him. Okay. So that you, when we start, he's got to be starting answering that question of what's it like living in Hokkaido. He's in the middle of that answer. And then we go on with the rest of the interview. Okay. So it's still 25 minutes or whatever after that. You just miss that inter- beginning kind of, you know, small talk banter that goes on before an interview starts, and then we get right into the interview. So no worries, guys. The, inter- the It's definitely still all there. So without further ado, let's get to it. My interview with Jet CIR Mitchell on the growing tension, or lack thereof, between foreign residents and Japanese residents in Hokkaido. Enjoy. When it turns wintertime, we have snow falling almost every day in Nisako, and it, we have about six months of the white season, and <laughs> I've never lived in a place this snowy before. I didn't know there was a place this snowy in the world. Okay, okay, yes. Yeah. So I've had some people other, interview other people from Hokkaido and stuff, and what about, I don't know if you have a car or any situation like that, but in some days, right, you have to like, you know, you have to stay like put put something like start shoveling the night before so you could even just leave your house right like make sure the door's not covered and stuff like that i don't know your housing situation but there's people that do that right yeah no uh because it well depending on your area you'll get snow flying almost every day so you do need to be aware of if you have a path to get out like into your out of your house or into your car or anything um i live in an apartment complex and usually apartment complexes have places to do the snow for you 
And even if they don't, if there's enough people there, then just all the foot traffic will keep it open. But it's definitely something you need to be aware of living in a snowy area like this. One thing that I just noticed that was much different compared to Tokyo, not really with the weather, but like the people. Um, I just feel like living in a small community like this, uh, you you meet people a lot quicker and it's easier to make connections. I feel like I made Japanese friends quicker here compared to when I was in the city. And I end up going to people's houses. I feel like it's just a lot easier to get to know people when you're outside of the large city area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what people say is, you know, it's easier, definitely sure, easier to practice Japanese and stuff in smaller areas, smaller towns and stuff. Uh, before we get to your life, though, I want to get to your kind of application, right? A lot of people want to know how to make the best application they can. Uh, any advice you give us there? Because you obviously had a successful one. How, what any advice for your SOP or maybe for your interview? Anything advice you can share to those jet hopefuls out there? Oh, God. Well, I, I, I failed my first interview. <laughs> or I, failed, <laughs> there you go. I applied twice. The first time I applied, I didn't get through. I don't know why I didn't make it. Maybe I was just too young. I applied when I graduated, and then I didn't get that. So I found work in Japan as an English teacher. Then I applied my second time, two years after that, and I got into the waiting list. So I wasn't a like first round. I wasn't one of the guys who passed the first round. But I did notice, uh, I feel like, my experience as an English teacher definitely helped me in my interview because when I remember we had to do like a little I applied to be a CIR, but they still wanted me to do like a role play as an English teacher just to see if I would be able to do an ALT job. And uh, I taught in an English conversation company and the skills that I learned there like transferred over that interview really easily. I remember I wasn't really that nervous when I had to do a role play. Uh, oh, the Japanese experience I've learned, I've had in Japan just like speaking Japanese that helped me for the CIR interview because they want you to answer questions and give your opinions in Japanese. So overall, I felt like I was able to prepare for what I... I had skills that made the interview not too nerve-wracking, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also do it the second time is always a big help. I oh, guess yeah. I would want to know, um, you know, because they say, and I've interviewed people that interview for Jet, and they say, you know, if you're at the interview, it's your job to lose. Um, so looking back, <laughs> do you know, can can you think of why maybe it was, didn't go well? Did you think of any kind of, you know, answer anything incorrectly you think or anything, or just don't, not sure? Oh, well, that first time I applied, I didn't even get to the interview stage. It was just oh, like okay, through okay. the paper application. I didn't even make oh, okay, it past okay, that point. Okay, I got it. I got it. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So you got to the interview the second time, but then you, you did well enough and you got the job. Uh, so you went for the CIR, which is the, obviously the rare position, the position that is not in the schools necessarily. Sometimes you have to do some classes and stuff. Uh, what exactly that, that I found from people I've interviewed on the CRs, that job is a very wide range of, 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 of tasks you have to do. Uh, so can you give us an average day for you? What, what is your jobs on the, as a CIR in Hokkaido? Uh, can I give you an average week instead? Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Uh, the, the only reason I say that is because we have a lot of uh, kind of regular events. So every Wednesday I have a Japanese class that was covered in that uh, Jap- Japan Today article. And then uh, every other Saturday we have an English conversation club. Every other Saturday as well, I also teach an English choir to people in my town. Um, we, we do a lot of events like that. Any sort of English or internationally focused event that we can get the town involved that's like a big part of my job mm, that's interesting that seems more fun than some other people's car position for sure um so uh, no, i love my job <laughs> that's pretty cool uh, what was your japanese level before you applied for the car position just for people i had n1 when i applied n1 okay it's so the top of the mountain there n1 pass that's that's you don't have to have that high i know um i know people have <laughs> got it before without even n anything uh, but, you know, N2 seems to be like the sweet spot where you can start thinking about it for sure. Um, so, yeah, so you got to be our position. How long have you been there now? Uh, oh, two years this 
this month, actually. Yeah. Two years. Awesome. And, and already signed pen to paper to apply next year. You're, you're already confirmed, locked in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not getting fired as far as I know. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. all things considered, hopefully, hopefully you're back next year. That's cool. So, um, yeah, now I want to get to exactly, you know, where you live and stuff like uh, what it's like living where you live. Cause, uh, there's an article in Japan today, um, entitled Hokkaido Ski Resort Tackles Growing Tension Between Japanese Foreign Residents. Oh, like a very, you know, dastardly yeah. title that'll get the hit, the, get the clicks they want for sure. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, so whenever I see Niseko in an article, I have to, uh, I have to read it because I'm always interested in Niseko. I was like a week away from working in Niseko until I found, uh, an ALT job after I uh, quit my AKI, which I have a long time ago now. And because uh, there's ski resort jobs and stuff, I was like, oh, let me just try that. And if it's fun, I'll stay there and then I'll go home after that. But I f- found an ALT job and now here we are eight years later. Uh, so I always wonder what if, you know, what it would be like to go there. Uh, but so you are in an area around there. But um, this article says there's like a lot of foreign residents just in Hokkaido in general, right? Is that is that the case there in you, where you live too? Uh, did it say that? Because I haven't picked up on that. It's more of just in specific hubs, there's a large amount. Because if you go to the skiing areas, there's a lot of foreign tourists that are coming in there. And then they also mm-hmm. have a lot of foreign employment. In general, I wouldn't say Hokkaido has that many uh, foreign residents on like a overall scale. Yeah, but, oh, yeah. I should have been more specific. In that kind of ski hot spots, right? Ah, uh, yeah. So if yeah, you're yeah. looking at the hot spots, there's definitely a few areas where there is a higher Japanese uh, foreign percentage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, as you're in your time there, I guess, do you, what do you think about that? Is there some truth to that? That there is some tension between Jap, as they say, tension between Japanese and foreign residents there in those areas. Not really. That's why I was just I was so surprised to read that. Like, um, the thing is, when we got interviewed for that, um, it was me, uh, my fellow Chinese CIR coworker May, and then there was our student Justin. And the whole interview was about problems, or not problems, but just like what it's like to live in Isco as a foreign resident. So if there are any issues, if there are any uh, support systems available for us, um, what we've experienced compared to living in our own country. And then after hearing about all this, the end of the conversation was like, okay, well, there's an election coming up. What do you want the uh, representatives to change for you? And I remember my student, Justin, he just said, well, you know, I don't think I deserve the right to vote in Japan. I don't speak Japanese. I've only lived here for three years. I shouldn't really, like, have the right to determine what changes in this country politically. And after having all this con- all, all this conversation, the article, the article comes out, and it seems like the, Jap- the foreign residents living, living in Nisako are, like, entitled, and they expect everything to change. It was just so strange, because I felt like the interview did not go that direction at all. Okay, so let's get this straight then. They got you guys out of the blue. They kind of showed up at your lesson there. Um, it was just kind of wasn't well. They anything. they called me a week ahead and they said they're interested in attending my Japanese lesson and talking okay. to foreign residents. Okay, okay. So then they get to you, and then it just seems like a normal conversation, just interviewing like I am about with no goal in mind. Yeah, I just thought it was basically. Well, I knew the goal was to understand what foreign foreign residents were dealing with, but yeah, it just seemed to come out way differently in the article. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that's how, you know, that's the internet now in 2019, I guess. They interview you about everything and they find what the, where the clickbait is and then they write an article about that. I mean, is it safe to say that's what they did, you think? That's what I do think they did, honestly. <laughs> and But the thing that got me was that this article was originally written in Japanese. It was on the Mainichi Shimbun. Yeah. Um, so we did it in Japanese. And I, I before reading the English version, I got a copy of the Japanese version from the uh, interviewer. And I remember I just, op- I just opened up the file 
And the title itself, it, it doesn't say growing tensions. It has the word masatsu in Japanese. Do you know what that yeah. means? Yeah, friction. Friction. And I feel like that doesn't sound as ominous as the growing tensions. That feels like something's about to burst or something's about to break, you know? Yeah, it sounds like, you know, the, my image was like, you know, the, the mob growing with the kind of the flames and the right? torches coming. <laughs> yeah, it's way worse. But granted, masatsu, that's not like a – friction isn't exactly a good word either, but – the Japanese article itself, it also talked about the complaints that were held by people in Kuchan and uh, the lack of foreigners' ability to integrate or try to integrate. So it was still kind of in that negative light. Uh, the fact, So even when I read the Japanese, I still got the impression that they pick and chose. They were like picking and choosing f- what they wanted to say from our conversation. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's. I mean, that's 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 journalism for you. I guess in the yeah. clickbait world. <laughs> Is that what you're going to do with this interview too? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to find a way to say like you hate Japan or something. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So that, but, but, well, then I guess I should ask. You've had to come in contact with some. I'll put it more harshly than you probably would. Some douchebags that live where you live, and maybe they're jets, maybe they're not. But you know, some people are just bitter about Japan. They're not, that they're all around the world, though, right? Have you ever had any situation where you think might might cause tensions or might cause Japanese people to say, hey, I don't like some foreigners in Japan. Is there anything you've experienced like that? Oh, yeah. Um, But I think that's mainly with tourists. I don't want to say like, oh, all residents are just, you know, goody tissues and there's no problems. But I don't know when I feel like the people who are here to party and the people who are making the most noise and more like um, the people who stick out more, they're probably the people who are not living here and aren't a part of the community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, how how do you think you're? Are you? Sounds like you're you're welcome, very 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 welcomingly. I guess <laughs> it seems like no one has a problem with you. But have you ever? No, I should ask though. Has anyone kind of? Have you seen any bad treatment from that? For maybe people thinking, hey, this guy is a foreigner. You know, he's he's he doesn't know the rules. He doesn't separate his trash and all that crap. Not really. Like I, every now and he, I hear about maybe some, a little bit of friction that comes up with people like uh, Justin, that uh, student from my class. He said. Uh, the, what was it? The guy who comes around to collect the trash? Well, I guess this isn't a foreign issue. He was just saying, oh, Justin was not putting it out correctly, so then he need, he wouldn't take it for him. But even still, that's not really like a like a racist or like a, like a, you know, a foreign issue. I feel like yeah. most people, they actually want to live in Nisako because it's pretty welcoming. Like, mm-hmm. we have a big community. Uh, the existence of foreigners make us feel less like outsiders. Like, uh, I feel like the small community and added in with the fact that there are there's a larger foreign population makes it easier for just foreigners to be accepted here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I agree with that too. I I, I think it's just a, I mean that's a problem. It's problems like everywhere, right? I mean, there's going to be people that don't follow the rules if you go anywhere around the world, and just people living what you know away from their home yeah. country, they're going to mess stuff up. So I mean, who knows? I, I can't tell. It sounds like this article is blowing up a, a small problem that happens everywhere in Japan, probably because I've known. When I do my trash perfectly, this one guy in my old apartment, he would just when I put out my trash, he would check it, and he would literally open the bag and see if I did stuff correctly. And I was like, and I finally told the land person, like, it's not gonna happen. This is something's wrong with this. But he just wanted to check and make sure I was doing it right because obviously someone before me was doing it wrong or, or something. I, I've never done it wrong, but that's something that happens, you know, when you're you're a foreigner living in Japan and probably other countries. Well, Grace, as well. I think it. Pr- it might be a stereotype against foreigners here, like, oh, you know, maybe because the go- the trash separation system is different in other countries, so that's something that a lot of foreign people do mess up here. Maybe that has some truth to it, but also mm-hmm. I feel like it's an easy scapegoat to quote for growing tensions between communities, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. it seemed like the only problems they talked about in that article were 
driving etiquette, not even rules, not breaking driving rules, but just driving etiquette and trash separation. And I feel like those are like two of the easiest scapegoats that you could choose to like talk about possible issues here. Yeah, it's one of the ones that like older people, not to be stereotypical myself, but it's one that older people in Japan really hang on, hang on as easy ones. Like, oh, the foreigners, they're messing up everything. Look, the trash is undone. Or uh, the driving one I've never even heard of before because the worst drivers in Japan are, you know, you probably know yourself, are older people, <laughs> older <laughs> Japanese people. They're the worst people. They don't give a shit. Well, they drive wherever they want. That's the thing. I feel like um, like for driving etiquette and trash separation, you, you find a lot of Japanese people, like locals here who aren't, I don't know, maybe they're lazy with the way they separate their trash, or you find a lot of Japanese people also get tickets and speed, or maybe uh, drive on the road different from the norm, you know? But, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't really cause many real issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, just, it's just funny. I mean, for sure, the worst drivers in Japan, I don't have to study for this, but the worst drivers in Japan are older Japanese ladies, because they just don't even look. They just go, I'm going. <laughs> And they're also the worst uh, walkers, so you know, on the sidewalk. They don't care about sidewalks. Anyway, okay. Well, you go to the. I feel like you go to the small town that gets worse. Honestly, the old people in China, like they've lived there for forty years. If there's a new stoplight, maybe they'll just ignore that. Oh, there's a new stop sign there. Yeah, that wasn't there when I was a kid. Just- yeah, just cro- crosswalks don't exist for them. It's just wherever I want to cross, that's where I'm crossing. So it's just, yeah. I guess they're old enough. They're the senpai for for life. We can we can uh, accept that. Uh, okay, so let's talk about your your English class though. The, the picture they were showing your Japanese class. Excuse me. So you are the teacher for that, right? Yes. Oh, cool, cool. So this is something that the I guess the CIR in your area has just always done. Was it your idea? Uh, it sounds like a good idea that not too many people are doing. Uh, this was started by me and my Irish coworker. Uh, his name is Derek. Derek and I decided to start a Japanese class because we've been asked by foreign uh, people in the area. Area. Oh, I want to learn Japanese. I want to learn to communicate. I want to be like have more agency in my life in Nisako. So we, that's why we decided to start the lessons. Awesome, awesome. And because you know, I had a I did a webinar with Jet for Jets last weekend, and the Jets there were saying how the Jet uh, Japanese language materials aren't great. Uh, so yeah, this is a cool way that you can, as a CIR, you can kind of you you did that and took the initiative. That's really cool. Is this something you think other CIRs could copy as well, or it does it depend on the BOE? All that kind of every situation is different stuff. Well, like I don't know, my whole job isn't related. I like my I told you before, a lot of my job is planning events or like things to get communities more involved. So that just made it really easy for me to plan a Japanese class. Um, I think it's definitely something other people can copy. Uh, Granted, we, we don't have like a huge network of class resources and stuff, but just in general, if your area has a lot of foreign, uh, foreign, foreign people and like a large foreign population, they're probably interested in studying Japanese. So I think it's definitely something for anyone to look into. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, that's a good idea for someone to do. And a lot of people, you know, CAR sometimes are notorious for, you know, not having enough to do. So there you go, guys. It's something to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so what about, so I'm going to know as a CIR and your kind of interesting hands-offish, it sounds hands-offish position. Do you have a, a someone you had to report to and stuff? Or are they kind of really hands-off, do whatever you got to do kind of thing? Uh, no, I ask for permission for things. I don't really need to... Uh, I don't get too much oversight, honestly. There's four CIRs in Nisako, and we're kind of just our own little group. Uh, we have to get permission from the town hall for budgets and like uh, events and stuff, but generally we just do what we want to do, I would say. Wow, that sounds like a cool job. So yeah, I love my job. Oh, and then you, but you know, you also have to do last minute translations or like, oh, Mitchell, we need you to interpret for a speech today that's happening at three o'clock. Good luck. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, that's okay. That makes but sense. That yeah, always so, happens, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Uh, so yeah, so as as you do live there, I want to know. I'm always interested in how does things change when it goes to winter? When you get that amazing influx of foreigners? I mean, does is things tangibly different around there when it comes to skiing season? Well, as far as my daily life in the summer compared to the winter, nothing really changes. Uh, my job doesn't get any more busy. Uh, the biggest change that you'll see is when you go to the ski area because that's where. All the tourists are. That's where a lot of the employed foreign residents are living as well. It, that just kind of lights up, and that becomes like almost like a slice of a modern downtown. Like there is, mo- there's like new buildings, there's new stores, there's expensive-looking uh, apartments and houses and everything. Like you go out of Nisco Town where I'm at, and there's all these rundown warehouses and kind of older buildings, and you go to Hirafu, the ski area, and in winter it just feels like you know, like a downtown in the city. There's music bumping, there's drinks everywhere, there's people having a good time. Yeah, it's interesting. That's cool. And how about your students? I know you don't have students. I know you see CIR. But students in that area, right? Um, are they, what's the, what's the weekend fun? Is it going skiing? Is that just the thing everything does, everyone does, you know? Well, uh, a lot of people here, they go skiing whenever they want just because, um, yeah, the town hall that I work in, we're 10 minutes from the slopes. Like you can see the ski, you can see the ski lifts from the town. Like, you were really okay. close. Oh, wow. <laughs> cool. That's pretty cool. So this is something to do. Um, yeah, since you're going to enter your third year, you can only be a jet for five years. Uh, what is your future plans? Do you have any yet? What are you thinking about doing in Japan in the future? Man, I have no idea. Uh, I like where I'm at. I don't really want it to end. Uh, I could see myself staying in Nisako and doing my own business if there's any opportunity. I could see myself going to grad school in another country or Japan. Um yeah, I really want to stay in Nisako, and I feel like the community here is really good. And as someone who speaks Japanese pretty well compared to other people living here, I feel like there's a lot of things I could do, uh, like from a business perspective. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. So, um, I guess you you came here without uh, you know any any uh, love or anything of like of Hokkaido, but now you got here, and now you really like it, and obviously. Yeah, I do. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, kind of last question. Let's kind of sum things up with is. Now you've been a jet for two years, going to going to be three years. Um, is there anything you wish you knew before you started that would made your time a little bit easier, smoother, better, anything like that? Um, well, like I said before, I had already lived in Tokyo for a few years. So as far as culturally, there wasn't anything I needed to know. As far as from the jet perspective, um, nothing really held me back. Um, nah, I, I feel like the training that I got basically just let me know oh every situation is different you're gonna have to learn to run on your feet and i feel like that was like real advice um as a cir i felt like you're expected to stand up for yourself and hit the ground running when your job starts and knowing i don't know knowing about the variety that all cirs have it helped me be prepared for whatever i was going to have in isako but i think it turned out well with the training and stuff that was provided by jet people are going to be hitting the uh orientation here pretty soon uh what kind of orientation did you do were you the kind of guy that was partying in at the nighttime or did you kind of stay chill what did you do at orientation people are very worried about that oh the very well it's very important <laughs> i well whenever i remember when uh all the seminars were done i would go and i'd meet my friends from tokyo like my coworkers from my old company uh now whenever i have or when i have um the chukan kenshu the the training, like the mid-year training for CIRs, we always do that in Tokyo, and I always kind of turn that into a, like a trip to meet all my old friends in Tokyo. 
But okay. you know, cool. that sometimes includes parties. Sometimes that includes just going out for food. Sometimes it includes all night karaoke, and you never know. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. You never know. Yeah. And uh, Mitchell, thanks for your time today. Uh, inter- always interesting to hear from someone up there in Niseko, living the life as a CIR. You sounds like you have a great job. I can't believe you turned down the job. It. I can't believe you turned down living here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I thought you know it was a big change. I already had an apartment and stuff. You know, Makes sense. I wish I. I one part of me has always got to wonder what it would be like because. Uh, I always thought I was like yeah I was big on the YouTube and before I got to Japan I was always watching the YouTube J vlog and stuff, and there's people from Niseko. I was like man that'd be so cool. It's such like a small cool small town and I never lived there but you're living the dream my friend. Keep it up. Thanks for your time today and keep it rocking. Thanks. I really hope you enjoyed today's Inside Japan podcast. Dive deeper into our world and learn more about what awaits you. Check out altinsider.com. And for regular up-to-the-minute job postings, check into jobsinjapan.com for the next big gig. Please tune in for our regular excursions into the world of Japan, and good luck. Gambate! Jobsinjapan.com